this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin branch school. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is a title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world called Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible.
Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in, <clears throat> everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First, help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which is once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now, in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading this evening will be Revelation 12. And if we could please ask Dr. Alice Stewart of the Madison class to read that for us. And if we can start class with a prayer given by Dr. Heather Adams from the Green Bay branch. Thank you. Did you call me for the prayer? Yes, please. Heather. Sorry. Um, let's all bow our hearts and minds unto Yahweh. Thank you, Yahweh, for um, letting us come to the Zoom Bible study tonight to learn of you. And uh, please just continue to hold our arms up every day as we're living in this creation. And thank you for uh, bestowing knowledge about you upon us. In Yahshua's precious name, let's all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening. Good evening. Can you hear me? Sure. I'll be reading Revelation, the 12th chapter. 
And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto Yahweh and his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of Elohim that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our El and the power of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our Elohim day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of Yahweh and have the testimony of Yahshua the Messiah. Revelation, the 12th chapter. Thank you. Our scripture readers this evening will please be Dr. Callie Gagno and Dr. Karen Gagno of the Madison, Wisconsin branch. 
First off, welcome everyone tonight. We're glad that you were able to come out and join us. I believe we are most likely streaming live to YouTube tonight. And with that, we will begin our evening's lecture. Our first speaker will please be Dr. Steve Gagno, Dean of the Madison, Wisconsin branch. Hello, everyone. Um, it's a pleasure, as usual, to uh, be at one of these Zoom classes or live classes or any class. And uh, I had this scripture and I was just thinking about being grateful. And that's why I thought of this scripture. And uh, I was uh, in the Green Bay class and watched the Green Bay class last night. And they were talking about water and floods and and a lot of different things to do with water. And, and several of the speakers mentioned how blessed we were to, to come into this. And it just struck me, we truly are blessed. And I want to use uh, this, this scripture as a kind of a jump off for that thought, because uh, the book of Revelations is something that uh, uh, the world doesn't get it all. They don't get the whole book, period, the whole Bible, but especially this. And, and they, they uh, don't understand what John was writing here. They don't understand the purpose of Yahweh. And we've been privy to, as time goes on, learning about his name and his pattern and his plan of salvation. And coming into a more perfect understanding of this book. And uh, looking at the Moses chart here, that's what this chart is called. And uh, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, which is at the bottom of this chart, it's pictured there, and they had to perform a Passover to get out of Egypt. And... Uh, if uh, the death angel passed over your house is because you had the, eaten the lamb and you had blood on the door and you were spared your firstborn. And they left out of Egypt and went into the wilderness of Sinai through the divided waters of the Red Sea and made a covenant. Yahweh made a covenant with these people. And that's what's portrayed here as they go out into the wilderness. Can you circle the wilderness, Callie, for me? Are you there, Callie? There you go. The wilderness, the center portion here. And Yahweh spoke from the top of Mount Sinai, a covenant in. And Moses, after the covenant was made, they made Moses made three trips on top of Mount Sinai uh, to talk or learn of Yahweh and his purpose, basically. And uh, what, what he wrote in Genesis, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he was told what to write by Yahweh Elohim himself. And uh, the days of creation, we find out that Moses wrote, it wasn't campfire stories as uh, we supposed them to be and wondered about the, uh, this Bible, how it could be. And when you realize that it was by vision, and revelation to a man like Moses. And the same thing is happening over on the right side of this chart 
where John is on the Isle of Patmos, he was given a vision and a revelation of things to write from Yahweh himself. And the founder of this school, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, up in the upper right-hand corner of this chart, claimed to have had a divine vision and revelation from the creator himself. And he saw the same thing that Moses saw and John saw all encompassing. He saw it all. And he came back to teach us and show us these things and reveal these things or have them revealed by Yahshua, I should say. Excuse me a second here. I got a dog that's struggling right next to me to get on the bed. There you go, Dixie. Okay, back. And uh, this uh, um, book of Revelation is just no different than anything else if you have the proper perspective. So uh, I'd like to have the ages and dispensation chart first. Because one of the, wow, that's weird. There it is. One of the things that is so amazing about this teaching was the founder had this chart made up. And this, one of the things he said, you need to know how to rightly divide the ages and dispensations. And what this chart does is divide things. There, what was valid in the second age here where Adam down to Noah is one set of circumstances and that ended at the flood. And then the next age, the third age is Melchizedek and the Old Testament are all both contained in there. And that is all valid in that age, but it's not the same as in the first, the second age, is third age, and ends at the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's when the next age starts that we're in. The present kingdom age is the fourth age. So each one of these ages, three, second, third, and fourth age, are different and they have different set of circumstances. Uh, they had, from Adam down to Noah, they had one set of circumstances. Melchizedek in the Old Testament is another set, and then now. And you need to know where you are in this gospel and in the purpose of Yahweh. So with that said, um, mm, let's go over to the, stay right here. The first age, Yahweh See, the cloud around this chart, this orange cloud, represents eternity. In the bottom, it says the cloud symbolizes eternity. And Yahweh, uh, Yahweh, uh, where is it? Uh, must be worshipped in spirit and truth, uh, 23, 24 of John or Matthew. John 4, 24. Yeah, I would like that red. One of the Karen or Callie. You're the readers, Karen or Callie. 23. But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship. So she's reading and uh, what the Messiah is speaking. This would be red letters in a King James version of red letters. This is Yahshua or Jesus Yahshua speaking. And he says, the hour comes and now is read. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, 
for the Father seeks such to worship him. Yahweh is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So with that said, Yahweh dwells in eternity. He has no beginning, no end. Now, the creation, we have a beginning and end. It, it is temporary. And uh, we'll get into some of that. But Yahweh had a purpose in mind. And when he made the purpose, it was in pure spirit. And then he started it by creating the angelic and the physical creation. Okay. And that's kind of what's going on in Revelation, the 12th chapter here. Um, but he starts there. And then time goes, and we start with Adam and the transgression in the garden. And uh, while that's going on, Satan and the angelic kingdom, Satan had, was ruling the angelic until there's a point in here uh, in the scripture reading. Uh, where is the point? Uh, uh, when... Verse 7, 12 and 7, I want to read this. I'm a little choppy. I'll try to get it tighter here. But Revelation 12 and 7. Thank and, you. And there was war in heaven. Mike okay. and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Mm. So where does he go? And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He, he deceived. What you got to understand is, uh, where is it? Uh, I mean, uh, he creates, uh, he forms light and creates darkness. Isaiah 45 and 7. Thank you, Sasha. I'll keep you around. Uh, we're going to read this out of Isaiah. It describes, he's describing the mystery of iniquity. Isaiah 45 and 7. I form the light and create darkness. This is Yahweh. Pick it up a little bit. I am Yahweh and there is none else. Isn't that above there? Yep, five. I am Yahweh and there is none else. Mm -hmm. There's no Elohim beside me. There is no one besides Yahweh. Period. Yahweh dwells in pure spirit. He must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. He's saying, I am Yahweh and there is none else. He's, and he, Isaiah is telling the people this. There is none else. Read. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. And we didn't know him. He created us. He is the creator and we haven't known him. Why? Because he's in pure spirit. That's a problem, and we have to get that solved. But there's a way around that. Re keep reading. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am Yahweh, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, Yahweh, do all these things. Now, Yahweh is the all in all, and that's all. And Yahweh is the light. But in order for Yahweh to make himself known, he has to create a contrast. So he's, I form light, I am the light, but I have to create darkness or evil. And in the days of Gen the first day of Genesis, he divides the light from the darkness. He starts showing you that there's a light and there's a darkness. 
in the world. And then he goes about to make the rest of the creation. And everything is here to show us the difference between light and darkness, good and evil, however you want to put it. It's light and darkness, good and evil. It's the same thing. Different manifestations. Okay. Um, so when, when he creates the angelic, he puts Satan was blessed with the most intelligence, the most beauty. Where do we have that? Uh, the Prince of Tyre or talks about the mystery of iniquity. He Ezekiel 28. Did you say Ezekiel 28? Yeah, Ezekiel 28, 1 through 15, and I think 15 picks up what you want. Okay, we can pick it up at 15, and we have to backtrack a little bit, we will. But this is Ezekiel 28 for everybody. 28 and 15. You were perfect in the ways from the day that you were created. So he was created. He's talking about that mystery of iniquity. He was a created. He wasn't, it wasn't a good angel gone bad. He was created in the purpose of Yahweh to show the darkness. You were perfect. He was a perfect devil, a perfect, perfect deceiver. He didn't even know Yahweh existed. He was in the angelic and he never saw Yahweh either, just like us. So he thought he's the best. I must be it. So here's his perspective he was given. Read. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you mm -hmm. by the multitude of your merchandise they have fi have filled the midst of you with violence mm -hmm. you have sinned therefore i will cast you as profane out of the mountain of elohim and i will destroy you O covering cherub mm -hmm. from the he's a covering cherub and this has to do with the tabernacle and in the tabernacle the most holy place where only once a year the high priest was allowed to go. Show me a picture of the tabernacle and we'll go back to this. There it is. This is the tabernacle pattern that was given to the children of Israel. Like I said, when they came out of Egypt, they went into the wilderness of Sinai, wilderness of Sinai and Yahweh made a covenant with them. And in this covenant, they had do's and don'ts. And, and if they did something, they would be sinners. Well, he made a way of escape by giving him this tabernacle pattern. And in this pattern, something would be offered up in the bottom where it says gate. That's the altar of sin sacrifice. You would offer up something on that altar. And then the priest would take it and cu cut it up and cleanse it in a laver and put it on the barbecue, so to speak, and offer it up as a sacrifice to atone for your sins. But in the most holy place, is the Ark of the Covenant where the priest went once a year only on the Day of Atonement to get the final decree of atonement for a year's worth of sacrifice. I hope that's understood. And Yahweh would appear in the cloud and on the Day of Atonement. And if he did, then the sins were forgiven for the year. And in this chapter that we're reading in Ezekiel, he was an anointed cherub that covereth. So he... Because he didn't know about Yahweh, he set himself above Yahweh. He sits in the seat above Yahweh. Yahweh sits on the mercy seat here. There's a mercy seat there, and he sits above it. Um, I'm just going to have to leave it that, with that, and you're going to need help if you're new. Um, so back to Ezekiel. I want to finish that, and back to my ages. Thanks, Callie. Trying to do two things at once. Okay. Well, mom can read. No, I got it. Um, oh, covering cherub from the midst of the stones, 
stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. Mm-hmm. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that you that they may behold you. So he's he's talking about in the angelic. This this took place in the angelic, and then it takes place from a, after he uh, he was in the garden with Eve, and he got her to take partake of the fruit that the bleh, partake of the fruit of the tree in the garden in the midst. He got her to partake of the fruit. He deceived the woman. He deceived the whole angelic. He talks about they were all deceived because they thought he was it, but he wasn't. And he was cast out because when Yahshua showed up with his angels, there was a war in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. That's what they call him. And and he prevailed not. And he was cast out of heaven. So then he was cast down into the garden and he deceived the woman. He's been doing the same thing through every dispensation and age. At Noah, in the flood, every thought and imagination of everybody there was evil only continually. So Yahweh prepared a flood, and eight souls got in the ark. And that he cut off there, and they were given the Ark of the Covenant, I mean the, the Rainbow Covenant, that he wouldn't destroy the earth. And that was the end of that age. So we go into a new age with new people and the mystery of iniquity rises up on that side in a different manifestation. The mystery of iniquity is an angel cast down and takes on bodies. And you'll find out when you read in the scriptures in the law, the Prince of Tyre, uh, the Pharaoh in Egypt, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, all of these people represented the mystery of iniquity. They were given great power, great wealth, and they put people in bondage, servitude under them. And they didn't teach them what does saith Yahweh. That was the purpose of the mystery of iniquity. And Yahweh always saves eight souls in the ark. At the end, he's saving people through Yahshua's death, burial, resurrection. That were Because all were found guilty under the law. All had sinned. All needed saving. And so on. So this, this story and the purpose are coming down all the way through ages and dispensation. Dispensation is Adam is the first dispensation. Noah is the second one in the second age. The third age has Melchizedek priesthood, and there's a whole bunch of stuff with Melchizedek and Abraham, a promise, and then it goes to the old covenant under there. Those are all part of the third age, and now we're in the uh, present kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom after Pentecost, And the new covenant is the fifth and the sixth uh, dispensation. So there's a lot to do with that, but you're getting the gist of it for the purpose uh, that I need for tonight. Now, we've covered the mystery of iniquity and him coming down through. So in this scripture reading, I want to go back. Uh, First, let's read the seventh aim, and then we'll start in 12 and 1. We have 10 aims in this school and that's our mission statement, so to speak. You know, first is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. And they go on. And the seventh one is what? To discern. Go ahead, Michelle. To discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, 
or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth, the dispensations of time. Okay, thank you. And we've been, these are aims. We contend for salvation. We know the name. We encourage and promote. We do investigating. If you read these 10 aims, they're just loaded with things. But we're on this seventh one here. And here we are in the book of Revelation with everybody, um, me included, when I was in high school, I remember it just was, a, you know, it was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain reading it without any understanding. It was just weird. Seven heads and 10 horns and dragons and things. And why are this one and that one? And just odd things. So here we are in this one. And he's, John is talking about there appeared a great wonder in heaven. And we'll read a little bit of this. And then I'll just try to basically overview this because I don't want to be here up too long. But go ahead. Karen or Callie? Okay. Karen. It's 12 and 1. Thank you. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Mm -hmm. She, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Mm -hmm. There appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. One of them's the light and one of them's darkness. Here's there appeared the other wonder in heaven, behold, a great red dragon, read. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And so he's called, Yahshua the Messiah, when he came on the scene, John uh, the Baptist pointed him out in uh, John 1, 29, I believe it is. Behold, the lamb of Yahweh, which takes away the sin of the world. John called him a lamb. And the characteristics of a lamb are they'll go to the slaughter without uh, complaint. They they lay down their life. You take a pig to a slaughter and they squeal and run and scream and, and they won't lay down. A lamb goes in and they're quiet and they go to their death quietly. And there's just other characteristics of a lamb. So he's referring to them as a dragon, a great red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns. And we're not going to work with that. But his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven. So John's referring back to in the angelic, it says that a third of the heavenly host of angels, there's an innumerable company of angels were created, and one third of an innumerable company of angels was cast down because they didn't bow to the truth. They went with Satan and were all cast down into the earth. And this is in this book. He's talking about a third of the stars of heaven. That's the angels were cast down to the earth. Read and the dragon read four. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered or to devour her child as soon as it was born. Mm -hmm. Brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto Elohim and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she can, has. Can we go to the Moses chart while she's reading this? So the woman 
in the scriptures, the children of Israel are sometimes called the children. Sometimes they're the woman or the bride and so on. And he's, that's who he's talking about here. And the woman fled into the wilderness. The children of Israel left Egypt and, and they were under the grasp of Pharaoh at this time. And they were enslaved to him. He was a type of the mystery of iniquity at this point, And they were the woman. And they put 10 plagues on them, and then they had the four points of blood, and they fled out on the Passover day, in, cut through the uh, Red Sea, and went into the wilderness and worshiped Yahweh. But that was this, that's what he's describing. The woman fled, and Yahweh prepared a place, and the, the Pharaoh went after him. They went through the divided waters of the Red Sea into the wilderness of Sinai, and Pharaoh went after them. And when he went after them through the divided waters, it collapsed on him and they were drowned in the, in the Red Sea or in the sea. So John, uh, John uh, writing the book of Revelation, has been shown this. And read. Um, six. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of Elohim that they should feed her they are a thousand two hundred and three score days, and, and that they, adds up to forty-two years. About and uh, that's they were in the wilderness for forty years. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, go ahead. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither so what you find out is every time the dragon has given authority to do certain things. But in the end, Yahweh saves the day. He always saves, you know, he comes in at the end, da, 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 and he saves the day every time in this, in his purpose. He saves the day. And, mm -hmm. and when you read these things, you start to understand that this is the only way you can understand something about something you can't see, Yahweh's spirit. He has to give you physical examples. He puts Pharaoh over, charge you, and then he delivers you from Pharaoh. You know, and they were, you know, delivered by the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb. And we read that down a little further. They mm -hmm. overcame this mystery of iniquity by the word of their testimony, the fact that they believed it and they put the blood on the door and that was the blood of a lamb. So the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb. And this is my point in the beginning was in, that it's so phenomenal that we can understand the purpose of Yahweh. In the fact that there's two mysteries, and Satan was cast into the earth plane. And somebody once said that uh, this is the mystery of iniquities lives here on earth. And he, the only place they can live is in, in bodies. And during the time of the Messiah, certain people would come up and they'd have demons and cast out demons, devils in them and put them in the swines and, and so on and so forth. They did this numeral, numerous times, casting out of devils. And they're in bodies. They're, they're just dwelling in you. They're in your thoughts, you know, and uh, we're not aware of it. You know, it seems perfectly natural. We've had it all our lives. And that's the thing. And when you hear the truth, the, the light of the truth casts out demons, casts out these negative spirits, and suddenly you can see 
the light. You see the light and you hear the light. See? And uh, this is what, over time being down here, you daily have to remember that Yahweh's bigger than the mystery of iniquity. And there's nothing perfect about this world, but everything in Yahweh's purpose is perfect. And that's, that's, that's the thing that sits with me and hits me the hardest is, is we're surrounded by people who don't know the truth and don't understand these things and think this is about something totally different. They don't understand the purpose of Yahweh is to reveal pure spirit to us in this fashion. This is the way he had to come down and break himself down so that we could see him for the saving of souls. So um, get to go down to uh, 10 there and we'll read a little bit and I'm going to turn it over, but I want to get down to keep moving here a little bit, get through this thing. 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our Elohim and the power of his Messiah. The power of his salvation. Yahweh cast Satan out of heaven and the angels are the loud voice. They were saved from that lie that Satan was it when Yahshua shows up on the scene and now they know who the creator is. But first he let everybody be taken over by the darkness so that they would appreciate the light. This is why he does these contrasting light and darkness. First, he gave them the darkness. They were all under, you know, like a king. Satan was as a king to them. And kings have authority, life and death and everything. And then when Yahshua comes up, he was cast out. And now has come, this is the loud voice in heaven, the, the yay. Now has come salvation in the kingdom of our Savior for the accuser of the brethren. That's what he is. He's an accuser. He points fingers at everybody. Was cast down and accused them day and night. Read. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and mm -hmm. by part of their testimony. And they loved not their lives. Mm -hmm. So we can, we can tie this in with the blood of the lamb at the Passover but, and so on. But when Yahshua, he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world when he took on this purpose it was a death to break himself down he was as a lamb laying his life down for us this whole purpose is so he can save souls that is a him coming down that's the love that he has out of pure spirit to create souls that can dwell in him okay so uh 14 14. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Oh, that's the 40 years. I don't, I, I messed up the other one. But anyhow, go ahead. And Read. The, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And this is what I was thinking about when we talk about how Yahweh preaches the gospel and the gospel is like clean water unto us. It's, it's the water pure, the, the gospel, the preaching of the true gospel is pure water, which refreshes us, which causes us to live. 
And we were talking last night about you can't live without water, but you have to have pure water. And the, the serpent, his job is to cast out a water, but his water is a flood and flood water is polluted. He's corrupted it. So the serpent cast out of his mouth flooded water after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And then if you go in the wilderness, when they got out there, who is it? Korah, I think it is. Uh, the Yes. The 200 princes. Some people oh, rose up yeah. against Moses and said, aren't we all holy? And started thumbing their nose at Moses because Yahweh was talking with him. He was the interceding for the people. He was the one chosen. Chosen When he was given the name Moses back in, when he was at the uh, Nile River and the Pharaoh's daughter pulled him out and rescued him, his name means to draw out. Well, she because she drew him out of the water. But the purpose to Yahweh was not for her, was he's going to grow up and draw the children of Israel out of Egypt and bring them into the wilderness. And Yahweh chose him right from the get-go. He was chosen. And that was during a death decree when the mystery of iniquity was killing that woman and after their children when they were born. It was another one of those examples. But anyhow, um, uh, he cast out a flood. I got to get down here. I want to get out of here. Uh, do 15 and 16 again and, and 17, and then I'm going to take my seat. I got to make a quick comment here. I'm sorry, it's kind of scattered, but that's how I am lately. Hard to focus for me. Go ahead. 15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Mm -hmm. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. See, no earth helped, and what happened down there with Korah and all these princes that rose up and said, aren't we all holy? Yeah, they made a deal. If you're with these princes, stand over here. And if you're with Yahweh and Moses, stand over here. And the earth opened up that flood of their thinking they're all holy. They all wanted to have uh, their prestige like they had down in Egypt and before. And it swallowed up those people that were giving an uprising. So the earth opened up and swallowed up what he threw you out. Want, you want to read it? Numbers 16, 28. Then... Thank you, Sasha. I will take it. Numbers 16, start with 28. Thank you. Numbers 16 and 28. Mm -hmm. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that Yahweh has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own mind. Mm-hmm. If these men die, the common death of all men. See, Moses is a meek man. He's saying, you know, I, you know, I'll leave it in Yahweh's hand. I'm not going to argue here. <laughs> He's pretty chill. Read that again. Mm -hmm. um, I have not done. Let's see. Hereby you shall know that Yahweh has sent me to do all these works. Yeah, Yahweh picked me. You know, I didn't raise me up. Yahweh did it. Come on, guys. Go ahead. 
for I have not done them of mine own mind. Mm -hmm. Gives all the glory unto Yahweh, read. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then Yahweh has not sent me. Mm -hmm. Yahweh make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have provoked Yahweh. Mm -hmm. and, and what happened? And the earth opened up in 16 in Revelation. It's going to open her mouth and swallow up the flood, which the, you know, the, the, the hearsay that he started with Korah. See, that mystery of iniquity manifests in different vessels all the way. There's always been good and evil all the way down. And we always... He's saying, you're going to find out if he, he always sent me or he sent these guys. And we know the answer because they went down into the pit. And read 17 in Revelations and I'll take my seat. And 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of Yahweh and have the testimony of Yahshua, the Messiah. Yep, he went to make war with the seed, the, the, the children of Israel, the seed of Abraham, and so on and so forth. And, and to read this, you know, I struggle tonight with it, but the gist is there, and I understand it in part. I'll just say that. I understand enough of it, and uh, that's the way this book is. This book, people in the world have no idea how to put anything together. And I, I just feel blessed, fortunate, and uh, encouraged uh, that we're part of this group that knows Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. So I'm going to take my seat and thank you for listening and the time. Hallelujah. Thank you. For our next speaker, we'd like to invite Dr. Diane Emler of the Oceanside, California Branch School. Uh, we're moving around here. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi, Diane. Uh, it is, uh, as always, as Steve said, uh, in the beginning of his lecture, it's always good to be in class. Um, and as we grow and as we mature uh, within this body of Yahshua, uh, we uh, really are in class 24-7. Uh, what's unique about coming together is that we have the opportunity to share uh, what it is uh, that Yahshua has given us. And um, I'd like to go back over just for a minute uh, into the 16th chapter of Numbers and pick that up right at one. 
16 and 1. Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abir Abiram, the sons of Iliab, and On, the son of Heleth, sons of Reuben, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly. Now, oh, finish that out. Go ahead. Famous in the congregation, men of renown. All right. So, first of all, these were uh, <laughs> men of renown, meaning everybody knew these people. They were the important people. Uh, but the point I want you to see here is that uh, Cora, uh, it, does anyone know who Cora was? Why doesn't somebody go look? <laughs> you mean like in Strong's or something? Yeah, that it work. Well... The meaning of Korah is ice or bald. Okay. Now, I, you know, I'm reaching back here. Wasn't Korah related to Moses? Or I'm thinking of... Uh, um, here it is. Son, grandson, blah, 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 blah. Great-grandson of Levi and leader of the rebellion of the Israelites against Moses. Um, Duke of Eden, but nothing. They weren't related, it doesn't say. Okay. He was the was, great grandson of Levi. All right. I was wrong. Uh, but the point really that I want to make here is that they held a rebellion uh, against uh, what appeared to be against uh, Moses and against Aaron. And these were people of renown. And I want to make the point that these people had been stirred up. It's not like it started out as a rebellion with all of these people. But there was a lot of talking behind people's backs about, did you hear, uh, why is Moses above us? Aren't we all uh, as gods, which the scripture reads, aren't we all holy? Aren't we, shouldn't we have a say in what's being said? And shouldn't we have a say with who is within the tabernacle, meaning who the priests are going to be? Shouldn't we be able to be one of the priests? And I want you to see that their actions and their words sowed discontent amongst the people. And they did this for their own gain. 
And they talked a reasonable talk because Yahweh did talk about that they would be a holy nation if uh, um, uh, they obey mammon. Uh, uh, and they, it sounded like a reasonable, uh, I'm searching for words here. It sounded like a reasonable argument. Oh. And they try to persuade others using logic. Is it logical that Moses is the only one that speaks to God? Is that reasonable? And when uh, uh, Dathan and Korah uh, rose up with those 150 men of renown, by the time they confronted Moses, they were so sure that they were right. But there's one big mistake that they made is that as they were making this complaint about Moses and Aaron, they were actually making the complaint about Yahweh and how he was running his creation. Uh, I know I'm not going to try to search through all of 16 because I know that there's a point in there somewhere where he talks about uh, Yahweh said in, in essence that, um, that the complaint or the rebellion was against him. Uh, and that's where the rebellion took place because they questioned what Yahweh was doing and thought that their way was a better way. And they put their lives on the line and they were, did you have that, Cal? I think it's 11. Okay, go ahead. Um. I'm pretty sure Moses is talking to Korah and he said, for which cause both you and all your company are gathered together against Yahweh. And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? Yes. So <laughs> they were murmuring against Yahweh, not against Moses. And I think that when you stop and you consider what goes on in your own life, what goes on in your own head, that sometimes you're dissatisfied or you're upset or you think, how come Dennis can speak so well and Carl can speak so well and I can't? When we do that, 
we are questioning Yahweh or rebelling against Yahweh because not all of us have the gift of speaking. And not all of us uh, uh, have the ability, say, to organize a class like a president. Um, where is that where um, the gifts? Sasha, help me. Uh, First Corinthians 12 chapter. Thank you. If you run over there. Bottom line was Dathan and Korah were swallowed and the uh, men of renown, all those that held this rebellion were swallowed up by the earth. And we know that our biggest nemesis, our hardest thing to fight against It's being swelled up in this carnal world. And we don't want to be swallowed up by that earth. And we need to trust that Yahweh knows what he's doing. Even though in our lives we think that we've gone through things that are unfair How come everything happens to me? Uh, How come I have to struggle uh, with alcoholism and nobody else seems to have to struggle? How come I have to struggle (laughs) with a a spouse that uh, (laughs) nags me to death? Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Whatever our complaint is. We don't want to get swallowed up in that because that is a ploy of the mystery of iniquity. And it's been his ploy right from the get-go. When he deceived Eve in that garden, what did he say to her? He said, oh, Yahweh didn't mean that you would surely die, but what he meant was that you would become as a God. He appealed to her um, vanity. Vanity. Thank you, Steve. And she fell for it. She fell for it. And nowadays, we just want to make sure that we don't fall uh, by those same tactics. No, nobody's standing there asking you to uh, uh, eat of an olive. Yet and still, people are asking you all the time, Well, it won't hurt if you miss that class on Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights. You know, you go another day of the week and why don't you come out with us on those nights? And, you know, people can be insistent and throw you uh, uh, things like, 
oh, you know, aren't you my friend? Don't you like me? You know, all sorts of things. We are, uh, every day there's an onslaught from the mystery of iniquity. And those things which uh, can be pitfalls for us. Uh, let's go over there to Corinthians. First Corinthians 12 and 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Right. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even mm -hmm. as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of Yahweh calleth Yahshua accursed. And Great. that no man can say that Yahshua is the Savior, but by the Holy Spirit. Right. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, this is important. And even if you don't identify with one particular thing on this list, he did not list every gift that there was. So go ahead and read. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same master. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same Elohim which worketh all in all. Mm -hmm. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit, mm -hmm. to another faith by the same spirit, to another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit, mm -hmm. to another, the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to mm -hmm. another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh the one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Yahshua. Now, on spirit, are we all baptized into one body? Mm -hmm. All right. Now, the body of Yahshua, which is the being within the body of Yahshua, is the receiving of the Holy Spirit. You don't, when you receive the Holy Spirit, he is in you and you are in him. And we don't recognize that at first. We begin to understand who we are and where we're going. And there is a diversity of gifts 
there are a diversity of body parts. You know, you know, hands and legs and heart, and they all do a different part. And yet they are essential to the body. You have one part of your body that gives you pain. Well, your whole body is affected. And we all together make up that body. We as a whole, meaning when we put all of our gifts together, then that is where our perfection is. And we need to begin to realize how much we need each other and how much we need to encourage each other and hold each other's arms up. And sometimes that means talking to somebody about maybe uh, that their understanding is lacking in an area or uh, whatever it means. But if you have a contention with one of your brethren, you need to talk to them. You can't do the backbiting and the talking about someone because that is exactly what happened in that rebellion against Yahweh in that wilderness. That's right. So we need to appreciate one another. I love Carl. I live with him. Mm. And I, I love all of my brethren, but I couldn't live with all of you. Dennis, I love you to death, but I couldn't live with you. And I say the same, but we need to love one another. And I mean, you need to love your brethren. You don't need to love the mystery of iniquity. You need to love the brethren and you need to be able to discern who is your brother and who is not. Mm -hmm. And that is a skill in and of itself. And there's another skill that I want to bring out because it is rarely mentioned, but essential. When Dr. Kinley set up this school, he said, the only thing you have to pay is attention. And yet, how many classes have you been to when your mind is wandering? You know, I once had somebody, you know, talking on the phone, texting. I mean, we need to sit in the chair, look at the speakers, and pay attention. 
That's all he asked of us was to pay attention. And if you're not paying attention, then you can't walk out and feel like, oh, I didn't get anything out of that class. Well, what did you put into it? Did you at least put in your attention? And that's something we need to be mindful of, is to pay attention. Now, let's this, and I'm going to try to do this kind of quickly. Um, uh, go uh, get 12 and 45. Um, Matthew 24, 48, and just told those. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I gave a lecture about, um, actually, I broke down the number 120 and showed how that was pervasive. Uh, throughout um, Yahweh's purpose. Uh, but I, here on the Moses chart, I want you to see you have Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 elders of Israel looking up on top of that mountain and seeing uh, that shape and form in describing him. Now, they were told, wait there at the plateau uh, of that mountain until Moses and Joshua returned back to them. Now, we know that Moses was up there for 40 days. And when he was, uh, uh, Aaron, Nadab, and Abayu did not, uh, a weight, but they left that plateau and came down into the wilderness. And all of the children of Israel put their earrings in a pot and they melted it down. And uh, there was a golden calf. And they danced and gave praises to that golden calf, which was also a god in Egypt. And they gave that calf credit. How important is this? They gave that calf credit for bringing them up out of Egypt. And we all know that it was Yahweh that brought them up out of Egypt. And yet they're giving credit to a golden calf. I won't continue with that. But Aaron, Nadab, and Abayu could not wait at that plateau. They got impatient. They thought Moses was dead. And they left and came down. And Joshua heard a noise in the camp. Uh, sound of war. See, now 
Um, go over to the 26th chapter of Matthew, I think it is. Let me get over there. Uh, and what we're reading about here is um, after that Last Supper and the disciples uh, went out um, to take a walk and uh, pick it up at 36, 26, 36 of Matthew. Matthew 26 and 36. Then comes Yahshua with them unto a place called Geth Gethsemane. Gets now you got me. Wait a minute. Gethsemane. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Gethsemane. Yeah. And said unto the disciples, Sit you here while I go and pray yonder. Mm, okay. And you took, sorry, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Now, hang on. Peter was the elder, like over there with Moses. Aaron was the elder. And then the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, like you had two brothers, uh, Nadab and Abihu. Then you had two brothers here. Uh, we are not going to talk about it, but at the, on the 17th chapter of Matthew, uh, Yahshua also took apart Peter and James and John, the two uh, sons of Zebedee, and uh, transfigured before them. And now it was this group of three that... Um, he took out separately. Go ahead and read. Okay. Yeah. And he took him, Peter, and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. <clears throat> then said he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here and watch with me. So they're told to tarry here. And wait, the same thing as Peter, James, and John were told. Aaron, yeah. need to have an abayu. Oh, right. Aaron, <laughs> thanks for listening. Go ahead. <laughs> I pay attention. I'd like that. <laughs> Tarry you here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it, is, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Mm -hmm. And he come, comes unto the disciples and finds them asleep and said unto Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Now, if you uh, uh, understand that one hour in prophetic time uh, is about 40 years, or 40 something. So 
Aaron Nadab and Abihu couldn't wait for 40 days and they could not wait for one hour. Now, actually, there were three more times that Yahshua went away and came back. And each one of those three times they had fallen asleep. So they could not wait for him. Like Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu could not wait for Moses. See? And I want you to understand that they didn't have anything within them. They did not have the power to wait. So um, I called those other two, but uh, run over and get Luke 24, 49. I want to leave time for another speaker, so. Anybody got Luke? Luke 24 and 49. Yeah. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now, the power from on high that they were going to receive was the Holy Spirit. But I want you to see that Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and, uh, and uh, Peter, and the two sons of Zebedee, and so many more, could not wait for Yahweh. But I want you to see that through Yahshua's death, burial, and resurrection, and taking out, uh, uh, changing that age into the present kingdom age, that he gave us a gift, many gifts, but he gave us the gift of power, and that does not mean power like you can go beat somebody up. I'm talking about the power in this instance to be able to wait for him. See? And to wait for his promises. See? Uh, give me, I'll be done here in a second. So give me that Luke. Oh, boy. 12 and 45. 12 and 45. But, and if that servant say in his heart, do you want me to pick it up or just get right there? Uh, get right there. Okay. But, and if that servant say in his heart, my master delays his coming and shall begin to beat the man's servants and maids and to eat and drink and to be drunken. The master of that servant will come in a day when he looks not for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in sunder. Yes. When you think that the master is away from you, well, first of all, he can't be away from us uh, because he's within us. Yet and still, we have doubts within our minds 
that, gee, when I came into class in 1970, they kept telling me the creation was going out. And here it is, 2021, and I'm still here. He must have lied about that part. No, he did not. And when the year 2000 came and left, many left with it. See, Yahshua has been given us promises. And he has promised us that we will reside in a new heaven and new earth state. He has promised us that we will receive a new body, not a physical body, but a new body, see, to match the new creation. And no matter how many you years you think have gone by, it's yet a drop in the bucket as far as Yahweh's timetable. Now I got, I called one more and then I'm going to close out. Hopefully it's 2448 of Matthew. Yep, Matthew 24 and 48. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my master delays his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken, the master of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of. Now, as soon as you think, well, He's not coming. And what I mean by that is the universal revelation of Yahshua. The minute you think, well, that's not going to happen. I'll surely die before then. Well, just when you think it's not going to happen, it will. And do not be found snoozing on this. Don't think that you can just have fun in this creation and space out Yahshua here and there and still be okay. We are children of the day, not children of the night. And we need to stay awake and we need to be alert. And Dr. Kinley told us we are not far behind him mm -hmm. and I can't help but believe that so with that I'm passing it over thanks for the time thank you all right thank you you can go ahead and pass the mic right over there to Dr. Carl Emler president of the Oceanside California branch Oh, all right. Get off the couch. Yeah. Um, I was paying attention. Attaboy. Um, there are a lot of difficult things, I think, with what has been said this evening uh, as far as um, 
getting to the heart of the matter. And we started out over there in the 12th chapter of Revelation. And Kelly, pull up the ages and dispensations chart again. There we go, thank you. Um, this chart, uh, in a sense, one could consider this chart um, incomplete. You have in the first age, the creative age, and you have the angelic creation and the physical creation. And from that point on, these ages and dispensations begin coming down through as we would um, see it as ages and dispensations in the physical creation. Uh, the second age, the third age, and the fourth age um, represent, well, let's do this. Let me just say it this way because I'm trying to be um, uh, accurate. Uh, the second age and the third age and the dispensations within those ages appear to be um, pertaining to the flesh, the physical creation. First age is the creative age. It is the, the age in which Yahweh Elohim created the angelic and the physical creations. And that's it. It's the creative age. And we find that the physical creation is described coming down through the second and third age. And then the fourth age is the present kingdom age, uh, where you're dealing with a spiritual kingdom on earth. So one might uh, conclude that that fourth age is pertaining again to Yahweh's purpose as it's coming down through in the physical creation. And uh, so from the time that Eve uh, and Adam are cast out of the uh, garden, uh, essentially to the time not yet here wherein we get a new body and there is no longer a physical body that we are contending with now, nor will there be a, a physical creation. So the fifth age and the sixth age and the seventh age uh, is dealing in the spirit. Now, I'm going to go all the way back to the first age and point out that we have an angelic creation and a physical creation, but we only have a description as far as our uh, uh, 
understanding is concerned, the literal understanding that we have, we only have a description, uh, second, third, and fourth age of Yahweh's purpose operating through the flesh. Now, when we get into Revelation, uh, we begin finding out some things about Yahweh's purpose that uh, transcends the flesh. And not only that, give me um, Isaiah, I'm thinking it's the 14th chapter where um, Lucifer yeah. um, talks about Lucifer. Huh? 14 and 12. Thank you, Sash. I got the right, the right book in, in, in mm -hmm. chapter. I should get some kind of credit for that. <laughs> boy. That's what I needed, a Vada boy. <laughs> Isaiah 14 and 12. Please, Cal. Go ahead. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? So here's how we begin to pick up scattered details about the operation of Yahweh's purpose in heaven. And we have a tendency to look at the way Yahweh operates in the flesh from a chronological standpoint. And our expectations are that uh, um, the same applies in the angelic creation, even though in the angelic creation, you don't have days and weeks and months and years, and you don't have the spread of time as we experience it in this physical creation. And so without thinking about it, we realize that when we're trying to understand something about the angelic creation, and this is what Steve called for the scripture reading, um, we're at a loss uh, to be able to understand the reality behind some of the things that are expressed in um, physical words, because it's going to take the ability to see anything at all about the angelic creation with not our physical eyes. This is going to have to be perceived in a totally different manner. It's going to have to be perceived by a vision and a revelation. Now, I will say this about the ages and dispensations of the flesh, the second, third, and fourth age that we have before us that we can read about uh, in the book we call the Bible. Uh, some parts of this we can probably find historic and profane history, maybe. Um, and so we can make some sense of this and we can make concordance, concordance, concordances. <laughs> we can uh, look up the derivation of words and we can 
make correlations between one of these ages and another and some building structure given to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. We can do all that kind of uh, uh, computation in search of Yahweh or God. And the world does this. Uh, the world uh, uh, has poured through this book and people in class in after hearing Dr. Kinley's uh, explanation of the scriptures uh, after he had the divine vision and revelation, there are people in class who turn around with that explanation of the words that Dr. Kinley spoke during lectures and everything. Uh, then they turn around and they'll pour through the Bible again, trying to find all kinds of words and scenarios and uh, definitions and hidden definitions to describe what it is that Dr. Kinley said. And uh, this that Dr. Kinley said with respect to these ages in the flesh, the second, third, and fourth age, what Dr. Kinley spoke about these ages is, is not, um, uh, how can I say it, is not searchable with a concordance, is not searchable with a margin of the translator. Although these tools are important, these tools only become valid when they are capable of expressing uh, an invisible spiritual principle, because that's what Dr. Kinley was talking about. And the, the, the beauty behind the story of Noah and the story of Moses and the story of David and the story of uh, the Messiah in the flesh. The beauty of these things is that throughout these um, uh, uh, stories, if you will, or these events, there are hidden uh, spiritual principles. And the world has taken these events and turned them into physical ways to worship. And Paul was against that over there in the 17th chapter of Acts. And we're not going to go over there. But he was pretty explicit about what you couldn't, couldn't do with respect to worshiping Yahweh. And none of the things that we were raised worshiping Yahweh with uh, fall into the auspices of those things that we now use to worship Yahweh. Yet and still, we visualize each other. We do activities with each other. We go out and have dinner with each other. We argue with each other or we Re recreate, recreate, you know, go out to a nice place and hike or whatever it is with each other. And so we have established kind of a, uh, 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 kind of a duality 
with respect to the operation of our life in uh, this body and in this world. And the emphasis that I'm trying to put on this and I'm trying to follow Diane's um, discourse uh, with is that the emphasis uh, as far as Yahweh is concerned is always on the principle or the spirit behind even the things that even the everyday things that we call everyday that we uh, encounter in the world. Some of the everyday things we encounter are things like politics, are things like um, uh, this pandemic. And I, I separate that from politics because the pandemic is a biological situation and not a political situation. Um, we understand what the political situations are. Uh, and then you have religious situations and we have all the various uh, uh, religions in the world that, that we encounter. And those are the big deals for us for the most part. Of course, the economy and the economics and your job and your home and your car and all of these other kinds of things. But uh, the reality in this fourth age, the spiritual kingdom on earth, the reality is to place our attention on those things that are past the veil of the flesh or those things that are spiritual. And Diane kind of went there with these. Did you ever get to the gifts of the spirit? I had to go and take the dogs out. Did we read we them? Ran we ran through them. Um, I, I wanna, I'm going to want to go there again, but I'm, I'm saying all this um, because I want to talk about the 12th chapter of Revelation. So let's go there, uh, Kelly, if you can. Um, I want to talk about the 12th chapter of Revelation and thread the 12th chapter of Revelation into uh, what we look at physically as far as the ages and dispensations of what we call the flesh. And hopefully we can see that Yahweh is working his purpose uh, in both creations because he created them back in the creative age. And he's working the, the both creations uh, at the same time. And yet it will be hard to understand how that can be, yet and still, I think you will see that it is how that it is. And the conclusion we're going to have to come to is that we are very comfortable with uh, describing the linear time frame of the operation of Yahweh's purpose down through the second, third, and fourth uh, ages here in the flesh. It's pretty simple. We get up in the morning and we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then we watch the vision at night, television, and then we go to bed and we do it all over again. And so we, we, we actually live these sequences of events that uh, outline some aspect of Yahweh's invisible purpose. 
But Yahweh's invisible purpose is not a linear sequence of events. Yahweh's purpose is an uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yahweh's purpose is uh, the end is declared from the beginning. And so, and when Dr. Kinley had the vision and revelation, it was opened up to him like a Japanese fan. Uh, it was 360 degrees. This fan opened like a circle, not like a fan fan that you fan your face with, but it opens a complete circle. And that's why the end is declared from the beginning because a circle has no beginning and no end. When Yahweh spoke in his purpose, oh boy, when Yahweh spoke in his purpose, I'm talking about Yahweh, I'm talking about the Father, pure spirit, um, uh, all the way back into the cloud. Uh, um, Kelly, I'm sorry, give me the Moses chart. Um, uh, you got the idea where I'm going with this element or the ages chart. I want to go to the Moses chart for a minute. And I want to go up into this cloud that you have up here on the top of the mountain. And Yahweh is spirit and manifesting within the cloud, symbolizing eternity. And this is Jerusalem above. There's a whole lot in this statement up at the top. First of all, that Yahweh is spirit and that that cloud goes all the way around um, this chart. You understand? And there's a lot of stuff on this chart. But when Dr. Kinley spoke about the father, Yahweh, pure spirit, he said, take everything off of this chart everything. And, uh, and what you have is Yahweh. And in that state, Yahweh is unexpressed. And uh, therefore, there are, uh, because Yahweh is unexpressed in that state, there is no one to not be able to see him. There is no one to see him. We go over in uh, 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 John 118. I'm looking at my little sticky tape on the computer that Diane put here for me. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do every rest of my life. <laughs> John 18 says, no man has seen Yahweh at any time. And what I've done by going all the way back to pure spirit and taking everything off this is to have no man around to not be able to see him. And what I've done is I've brought Yahweh back to the point prior to him making and expression of himself, because Yahweh is not uh, 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 fickle, he's not glib, uh, he's not haptered, he's not a fly by the seat of your pitch God. You may want to look about that, but Christianity has a fly by the seat of its pants God because he threw man down into the garden. Adam and Eve and had no idea that Eve was going to take the fruit and all that. And then when he did, now I got to kick him out. And he kicks him out and he gives them the land after that, the post, the 
post-antediluvian age, and they mess up there, and so we flood them there, and on and on and on. This is a, of a God that flies by this pants, and Yahweh does not do that. Yahweh is spirit, and he is wisdom. He is knowledge. He is intelligence. He is love. He's just beauty, power, strength, foundation. He is these attributes and knowledge and intelligence cannot fly by this of its pants. Neither can wisdom or love just hope they run into a room someplace and fall at love at first sight. None of this has happened. Yahweh is uh, uh, we have there and the I'm not don't go to don't switch charts, but we have over there the Aya Asher Aya chart where Yahweh uh, I will be what I will to be, and uh, on the twelfth of September in Southfield, uh, uh, Rhonda worked with the, she was the the fourth speaker in in the class and she worked with the definition of uh, 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 of Asher out of the uh, uh, Strong's, and I'm not going to get it because my time is almost up. But you should go back, go there, and listen to that. It's very interesting. But Yahweh, in this state, wills to be. He can be whatever he wants to be, but he's made a choice. Yahweh has yeah, Yahweh has made a choice to to express salvation, and so he. Uh, 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 orchestrated the perfect way to get this point of salvation across, the absolute perfect, most effective way to get this thing accomplished. Believe it or not, that's what he did. And he formulated this purpose, including you and I. You went, oh gosh, uh, uh, I can't, I can't. Um, uh, Rhonda mentioned this. When you look at uh, the uh, Yahweh Elohim, Moses is looking at him. He's got a book there. And that book that he's holding there is not the Bible. And Dr. Kinley refers to this book of Jasher uh, that uh, is not, we don't have a copy of that. You understand? Moses tells Yahweh, blot my name out of the book. You understand? And so there was a book that had Moses's name on it. And I want you to know that there is a book that has your name on it and my name on it. And that book was written uh, by Yahweh. That is his purpose that he declared from the end from the beginning. And, and Dr. Kinley says that, and, and I think it's in Hebrews, the explanation of Hebrews 1 and 1, where he says that back in pure spirit, there was no we and there was no you. And then again, there was because the, 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 the concept or the principle of us was back there in the, the, the purpose that Yahweh brought forth, uh, the purpose of salvation. And then he executed it by speaking the single word Yahshua, which is that he took on this shape and form, this tabernacle pattern. And this is the pattern, the archetype original pattern of the universe. It's the pattern of what happened in the angelic creation, and it's a pattern of what happened in the physical creation. Now, um, uh, so, so that 
that Moses saw by a vision is the thread that links in the ages and dispensations chart, both the physical creation and the angelic creation. But for the most part, we only see the physical creation. And that's what we focus on because we get the angelic creation only bit by bit. Kelly, are you still over in Isaiah for me or did I already lose you from there? Five minutes. Okay. Hey, Carl, take an extra five. We started five late. All right. Go ahead, Kel. Um, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, which did... How are you done this? How did this happen? How are you cut down? <laughs> There's a process here. You understand? And, and don't expect it just because we're reading this in Isaiah. We're going to understand the process. But we do know there's a process. He was brought down. Read on, Kel. How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. Look, here's the, here's the process. You know, there we have this war in heaven and all this other stuff going on. But here's the process. Something happened in his heart. Mm-hmm. This, is an inter- this is an inside job. How did you get cast down? How did this happen? Well, here it is. You have said in your heart. Read that, Kale. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of Yahweh. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So this is what's in him. He wants to be, and this is what Diane worked with, with the the Korah, the bald guy, <laughs> and Dathan, or whatever those, those names are. Uh, they wanted to be like Moses. Look at Moses didn't want to be like Moses. <laughs> Moses at the burning bush said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not going down there. I, I, I stutter. I can't, he, came, he came up with excuse after excuse. Yahweh got irritated with him. He said, I'm going to send your brother Aaron up. So just do this. But they, you know, saw all that was wrought through Moses. Now we're talking about these threads of the angelic creation. They saw all the things that were wrought through Moses and thought it was Moses. Moses knew it wasn't him. They wanted to be like him, and Moses knew by virtue of the fact that they wanted to be like him that they couldn't be like him because he knew it wasn't him. Ah, mm-hmm. oh. this purpose is phenomenal. Uh, uh, read a little bit more there, and then I need to get to the 12th chapter uh, of, of, of Revelation. I will sit up also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, mm-hmm. yet you shall be brought down to hell to the south. Now, remember, he was cast down into the earth. And then when and Dr. Kinley said, the earth, this is hell. You're in hell now. 
or, or actually, this is what he really said at the end of the day, you're either in heaven or hell sitting on the chair. These are those threads, you understand, of the uh, uh, angelic creation coming down through uh, in principle, not linear, not uh, uh, like we see in our physical creation, yet in principle, the same thing is happening. And so the words, when we begin to speak about the angelic creation, we try to stick them into the linear because that's all we see. And we have to keep them in the principle. They'll work that way. You understand? Even though it gets messy because the physical creation and the angelic creation are connected. Mm -hmm. You understand? Uh, all right. So uh, go over to uh, uh, Revelation 12. Yeah. 12 and 12, I think you want. No, I want to start right from the beginning real quick. Ooh, okay. <laughs> 12 and 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun. So there's a woman in heaven. Well, we got a woman down in the Garden of Eden, which is kind of halfway between heaven and hell, if I can put it like that. Because it's a halfway point. Because they, they were cast out of there into where the thorns and thistles and then the, all that stuff and the death and all. We were cast down into hell. And uh, so there's this, there was a woman in heaven that's connected to Eve. That's connected to Mary. Because Mary, the Messiah's mother in the, the, the third age or whatever the heck that age. Yeah, yeah the third age. Uh, when she brought forth that son, you understand, that was a very specific, singular event in the physical creation. Not uh, That event had not happened. In type it did, but not actually, not actually happened ever, any place in the physical creation, except that point in time when the Holy Spirit, I'll say it like Doc said, it impregnated Mary and brought forth that vessel within which uh, Yahweh Elohim, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, would operate the uh, finish of this purpose because he, in fact, started the purpose in a similar way, but not an exact way. The similar way was that it was the uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, that Yahweh Elohim, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, presented himself in to Moses, Moses's minister. The two instances that you have uh, this Yahweh Elohim were behind the veil of the flesh. The difference is that Joshua, the son of Nun, was not by an impregnation. Uh, he was just brought for just just materialized, however you want to put it. But this thing with Mary was a, an impregnation because a child needed to be brought forth. Read Revelation. It's like Mother Earth. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And so here's Mary. You understand? Oh, my. Uh, read. 
And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. And we read about him over there in 40, 45 Isaiah, read. And seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered. Or to devour her child as soon. So wasn't there a death decree at the time of the Messiah's birth? Yep. Read that. And Moses. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And so here's the man-child that's going to rule all nations. What did Satan want to do above the Most High? He wanted to rule all nations. Dathan and Korah wanted to rule in Moses' stead, you understand? And so then you have the Roman Catholic Church who wants to rule the mm -hmm. world, you understand, be the chief representative of God on this world. Uh, mm -hmm. Read on. And her child was caught up unto Yahweh into his throne. And now the child is caught up unto Yahweh and unto his throne. Uh, and so here comes Yahshua. Who is my mother? Who is my father? You understand? He's now uh, caught up into his father. And I just, I, I'm out of time. So I just want you to go over to where the woman in the wings. There's a woman in the wings there. 14. Go. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. Now the woman is us. Us who have been chosen, who were chosen back uh, in pure spirit before the whole story began. That's woman. That's us. And we have been given two wings. You understand? Wings allow you to come off the earth to fly out of peril, to get away from the flood, you know, like a helicopter or whatever. I don't care how you, I just want you to see the principle. We have been given wings and there are two wings of the archangels. You understand those wings that we have been given are the revelation of the operation of Yahweh's purpose witnessed through the law and the prophets. Read it, read it, and then I'm done. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. So and look at, we are in the physical creation, but and this is a wilderness, you understand? Because we're looking to cross over where the temple is. But we are in this wilderness and we have wings. What did we read that again? This is where we are with this revelation of the law and the prophets. Yeah, we're in the wilderness, but we are uh, protected from this mystery of iniquity. Read that again, Cal, and then I'm done. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. From the face of the serpent. So we are nourished by the law and the prophets and this gospel that has been given to us. These are the great and precious promises of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Now to be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Yahweh, our savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Let us all say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah.